So a lot of good things happening. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. We're going to continue our, our study of First and 2 Peter. We're now in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 is a little bit uh, unique in that we've already gone over it in my Sunday school class. Uh, we went over it maybe, uh, uh, I don't know, six or eight months ago. It's just a, a passage, but here we are. We're going through First and 2 Peter, so I'm not going to just skip over it. But uh, we will... Uh, give you a chance that since we've, we've kind of covered it some, we're going to give you a chance to uh, get involved in it a little bit of different way. So you're going to look at the first 10 verses primarily, all right, of 2 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to, if you will, take a moment. You can do this with your neighbor if you want to, uh, you know, have discussion about it. But make sure your discussion is about 2 Peter and nothing else. <clears throat> and, uh, and so uh, what you're going to do is you're going to go through and find promises in 2 Peter, that are tied to the knowledge of Jesus Christ or the knowledge of God, all right? Uh, I've given these to you already, so it's kind of review. So take a moment, 
and uh, we'll give you a chance to find them. Read through those first 10 verses, mark those promises out. On my account, you should find at least seven promises from God uniquely tied to our knowledge of our Savior and God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word tonight as we study it together and grow in your grace. Help us to gain an understanding from your word to be able to um, put to work what this passage is telling us to do so that we might grow in your grace. And we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's begin reading, and uh, then we'll come back and ask you for the promises. I just want to kind of read through it. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the knowledge, uh, through, I'm sorry, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things... Ye shall never fall. All right, it's loaded. Before we do that, let me give you the, uh, the little uh, lesson that you should remember, right? In this passage of Scripture, there are two Greek words for the word knowledge. One of those Greek words is gnosis, all right? The other of those Greek words is epinosis, all right? Gnosis is just that. It's knowledge. It's just what it sounds like. Uh, it is to know something. It's knowledge, just being aware of it. Uh, two times two is, thank you, you're aware of that, all right? That's knowledge. But uh, then epinosis is knowledge by experience, all right? So uh, it's one thing, for instance, to say, I know that God answers prayer. That's knowledge. It's another thing to say, here is one of my prayers that God answered. That's epinosis. That's experiential knowledge. I know it not because the Bible says so. You know, for instance, we sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But most of us have crossed the line that 
we understand that Jesus loves me, this I know, because I have seen how he has shown his love for me. I've experienced his love for me. So that's the distinction. There's two different uh, Greek words uh, in this passage of Scripture, and they're used different ways. So just to remind you, the gnosis words, or the gnosis verses, are in verse 5. Go down in verse 5. It says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, gnosis, knowledge. In other words, just learn something. Find out something. You may not have experienced it yet, but just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that we shouldn't learn it. So we learn it. In fact, this is what our whole life is, right? In kindergarten, you learn a bunch of stuff. Have you ever had that moment when it dawned on you what your teacher meant or what your parents meant? Like, oh, that's what it was. That's the difference. You had the knowledge before, and now all of a sudden you have the knowledge with experience. And Oh, that's what that means. Now I get it. And so right now, just add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. Just simply get some facts about Jesus and, and learn them. And then uh, in verse 6, this same kind of word, because, of course, it's just a repeat, and to knowledge, temperance, and temperance, patience. So those two verses contain this word gnosis. It is just to add knowledge. But epinosis we find in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the experiential knowledge of God. To know because you have seen it. To know because you have watched it happen in your life that Jesus loves you, that God answers prayer, that God saves to the uttermost, that God forgives sin, etc., etc. Keep filling in the blank. Uh, with the knowledge that we have. So uh, that would be in verse 2. In verse 3, according to the divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, through the epinosis, experiential knowledge that he gives us. Go down to verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, and which is really going to be an important verse for us later. So let's talk about some promises. You've been finding them. Tell me, please, where do you find a promise tied to the knowledge of our Savior or of our Father, God the Father? Say it again. What verse? Verse 2. Not just peace, but grace and peace, right? Grace and peace. And I love the promise because the promise isn't just that God will give grace and peace, but that it will be multiplied, not added, but multiplied, and don't miss, you know, God didn't just throw in a, a word abstractly, that's the word he meant to use. It will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, and that's an important thing, right? So, I don't know, how, how many times have you felt this week that you needed grace multiplied? Think that one through for a moment, this last week, where you needed God's riches at Christ's expense, where you needed God to do something that you could not do for yourself, his grace being given to you. Grace and then peace that passes all understanding. Uh, these things are multiplied. What's another promise? Verse 8, we will be fruitful. It says, for if these things be in you and abound, you should neither be barren nor unfruitful. Here it is, tied to the to the knowledge, in, the, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, this is important to the in is different. It's not just through, it's in. 
but is in the inn. Am I saying that right? Inn. So, listen, because we just got through this thing. Add your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, not. Because sometimes we say, okay, pastor, I understand how to get knowledge, but I don't really know how to get experiential knowledge. Well, let me show you. Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godless, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we do. We begin to add to our faith. And as we're adding to our faith, the experiential knowledge, that knowing God on a different level begins to come about. So that's another one. Give me another promise. Verse 3, according as the divine power hath given unto us all things. You should circle that. You should circle that. That's huge. That is huge. There is nothing that you and I need to survive this world or to get ready for the next. All things that pertain unto life, this world, and godliness, the next. Everything we need to survive this world and to prepare for that world is found in the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to the divine power that has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. It's a great promise. Somebody else. So we have grace, we have peace, we have all things, we have fruitfulness. We are partakers of the divine nature, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. All of this starts up here. The foundation is growing in knowledge, right? That's the foundation. And all of this is built on that, partakers of the divine nature. By the way, the exceeding great and precious promises come to that. How many times, there are how many, how many promises in the Bible? Anybody know? I don't. I'm asking. I know that the number is over 1,000. I want to say it's 1,012. Anybody remember? Not all of those are directly given to us, all right? But there are 1,012 promises, distinct, unique promises in the Bible. Some are given to individual people, you know, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And some are given to God's, all, you know, God's people as a general statement, Christians in particular, whatever. But... There are 1,012 roughly, but most of those are not to specific people. Most of those are things that we have opportunity to claim. But the question would be, how many of those promises have we experienced God keeping? That's the question, right? And we could say, I've experienced the promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've experienced that one. I, I know that one. You know, but we're, we, it, that, that list becomes shorter and shorter, especially since we might struggle to name more than 10 or 12 of God's promises together. And if we can't name them, how have we ever claimed them? How do we ever see that happening? And so don't panic. I'm not doing a name and claim kind of concept here. But uh, you know, it, if, we're not, if we don't know what the promises are, how do we even know if God's keeping them? How can we experience that knowledge if we don't have the knowledge of the promise? So uh, we've got to get to that point. So somebody else? Say it again. Fruitful. We got that one down there in verse 8. Fruitful. Promise fruitfulness. 
Where's love? He does promise it to us, but in this passage, where's love? Verse, okay, charity, yeah. Go down, if you would, please, to verse 9. You say, verse 9, this is going to be a weird one. Yes, it is. Listen to what it says. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. What is this person lacking? What are the these things? It's the adding to your faith which brings us in verse 8 to how we actually get experiential knowledge, right? Add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall need to be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 8. That's how we get experiential knowledge, by adding to our faith. If we lack these things, if we lack experiential knowledge, look what happens to our faith. He that lacketh these things is blind, verse 9, and cannot see afar off, and hath, what's the word? Is this person saved? Yes. Just because we forget it doesn't mean it's not a reality. God hasn't forgotten it, right? But when we lack this experiential knowledge there comes a point in our lives in which our faith begins to get cold and indifferent. And he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He forgot he was even saved. The promise is that if we do not grow in this experiential knowledge, our faith is going to take a hit. That's the promise. It is. You all, all of us know someone who used to be a strong believer and now they're acting as if they've never known Christ as their Savior. And we shake our head and think, wow, how could that be? In fact, many times we conclude they must never have been saved, right? That's what we conclude sometimes. But guess what? It's possible to forget that the grace of God has touched your life. It's possible. We don't grow. So the Bible says. Go on to verse 10. There's another promise in verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, what are the things that you're doing? Adding to your faith. If you learn by experience about this God of ours, Ye shall never fall. Is that what it says? That's a huge promise, right? Ye shall never fall. That, think that through for a moment. That's huge. All of this is tied to, our, to what we know about God and then to getting that knowledge to become experiential, to know it because we've seen it. Because we've witnessed it. Do you know what was unique about the apostles? Uh, in order to, one, of the, one of the stipulations for being an apostle was that you had to see the resurrected Christ. Do you remember that in the scripture? So we get over to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to try to quote this uh, just so now coming to me. I can't remember it. 1 John chapter 1. Somebody turn to 1 John chapter 1. I'll, I'll never get If you get me started, I think I can get it. 1 John chapter 1. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Right? This, this is what he says. We're going to declare this unto you. That which we have seen and heard, this is what we're talking about. And then he goes on. This is that great passage of scripture that ends with how we have security. In fact, that's what the whole book is about, how we have uh, security in Christ. In chapter 5, he says this. These things that were written unto you to believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and believe in the name of the Son of God. Right? That's the idea of the book. So he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all these wonderful things that are tied to having this experiential knowledge. That's what's being spoken of here. If we can't know God on a better level than head knowledge, our faith suffers. It doesn't mean we're not saved. But assurance wavers. When you read through the book of 1 John, sometimes you say, oh, look, we have to do good things in order to be saved. Because if I hate my brother, I can't be saved. Read it. Because if I, you know, there's a lot of, you. wait a minute, that's not what it's saying. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. It's, an, it's a book of assurance. It's not a book of salvation. It's a book of assurance. This is how we can know we're saved. How do we know? When our faith becomes more than just head knowledge when we begin to experience God's promises, then assurance comes. That's what's being spoken of here in 2 Peter chapter 1. So tonight, with what little time we have left, here's what we're going to do. You're going to, since we've already been through this as a lesson, now three times, here's what we're going to do. I want you to tell me something you know about God. Not that you know something that you know. You've seen him at work. Tell me a testimony of God doing a work in your life and you know through experience what God has done. Brother Ken, you know he loves you. How do you know that, Brother Ken? Because he saved you, all right? Amen. He loves me. I know that because he saved me and changed me. Somebody else, what do you know about God? He answers prayer. Can you tell us about an answered prayer, Miss Pam? Would you? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's fantastic. Answer prayer. Somebody else? Brother Bob. He does. When, when we take scripture and hide it in our hearts, there's a promise tied to that, right? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. There's all kinds of scripture tied to the promise of what happens with hidden scripture. So God, have you ever had that moment when God brings a scripture to mind just when you need it. You may not be able to quote it. You may not be able to say exactly word for word or where it's at. You know, if somebody asks you to show it to you, you might not be able to. But you know what the verse says. And God brought it to mind just when you needed it. And all of a sudden, you know God on a different level than you did just five minutes earlier. Amen. Provided you with help meet that you needed and then built on that experience from that point forward. Roger. That's the promise. Amen. Have you ever had that moment when you were really claiming that promise? Can you tell us about it? Would you tell us about it? I know some of these are personal. Yeah, amen. I understand. Yep. I understand. 
All of us have had those times, right? Brother Jeff, go ahead. We were praying for her during that time, by the way, so now you can make this connection. Do you remember she was rock climbing out in Colorado? She was studying, she was in med school, fell, traumatic head injury. Well, actually, she was already a doctor, I think, wasn't she? And, uh, and it looked like she would never be able to be a doctor again. Go ahead, you finish the story. see God do something in your life, you'll never see God the same again. That's what experience does for you. Somebody else? Miss Joyce. Amen. Prayed for your dad for years and years, and then before he died, he came to know the Lord. Seven years, amen, amen. Wow. Hmm. Amen. Miss Victoria. And they were separated how long? Almost three years. It's like, it, it's all over, right? It's all over. Everybody else gives up. But look what God does. And now they're back together and rejoicing. And amen. But Andy, pardon? He protects us. Can you give me an example? Yeah, amen. Some of you might know this name, Phil Stringer, uh, from years back around this south side of Indiana, but he was uh, on 65 uh, just south of Indianapolis um, yesterday, and a semi ran into five cars. He was one of them. Two people were killed, and he was, but he was, he's getting out of the hospital. They, they kept him, but he's not, no broken bones, just banged up and bruised. But uh, God puts his hedge of protection around us. Amen. Somebody else. true yeah we were we were hurting we were hurting so bad for musicians Darren was the song leader <laughs> and we were 
glad of it. I mean it, but it is true. And, and we were praying that God would just do something because, you know, we felt like that it was, it was a point where if we couldn't grow in this area that it was going to hinder our ability to minister. And, wow, we've exploded with music and musicians and God's been very good to us there. Jonathan. Amen. By the way, you would be an answer to prayer for many of us right here, right? That you're back with the Lord, and we're excited to have you back. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ms. Karen. Amen. Tim? Please. glad of it. Yes, Miss Betty. Amen. Amen. You want to grow in God's grace and get to the place where your faith will not falter, will never fail, never fall. It is to begin to see what God is doing in our lives. So that's what this is. I don't have time to just keep this up. But Miss Rita, we'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sat in the hospital, and the doctor came in and said, basically, start making arrangements for a funeral because he's not leaving here. And uh, a week later, he woke up or whatever it was, and and was in the hospital for weeks. If you remember, you all remember. Now he's in the ministry down in Scottsburg. So hey, you know, that's what God does when we begin to see and know for a fact that God's working. And and until until these testimonies become our own, instead of somebody else's, teenagers, listen up. This is big. Until these testimonies become yours, where you're seeing God doing stuff and not just hearing other people where God is working, it changes your faith, and it, it does something. You won't fail. You won't fall, and you'll never be that blind person who forgets that God has forgiven their old sins. And uh, that's, this, is a, this is a book of promises, and what a tremendous passage. I hope we'll catch on to it. I'm going to ask... If we could.